Yesterday, I had the opportunity to talk to Martin Pretty from Equitable Investors. Martin has run for the past four years the Equitable Investors Dragonfly Fund. As he says in the interview, he's had his ups and downs, but in the last 12 months, there's been a lot of up to it. He's up 67%, uh, which is way above the market. Martin focuses on the small cap sector, but also unlisted small caps. And as far as he's concerned, even though the market may sound expensive as a whole or valuations may be stretched, there are always little gems out there which are undervalued and looking for capital. He takes a different approach. He actually rolls the sleeves up and he will get involved in the management of some of the companies that they're investing in. Without further ado, let's listen to what Martin has to say about his Dragonfly Fund and performance. Martin, great to see you again. You're just coming up to your four-year track record for the Equitable Investors Dragonfly Fund. Uh, tell us about how it's going and have things changed dramatically uh, over those four years? Yeah, great to see you too, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity to discuss this. Um, so yes, we're coming up to four years and it's we've had some ups and downs along the way. Um, the last 12, 13 months have been particularly good to us um, and proven out some of our uh, investment strategies, which have taken time to come to fruition. So we've done a, a return for the last 12 months now is 67 and a, a little bit percent. Um, and I guess that's come amid COVID. And COVID obviously presented some challenges and when, when it first hit, we took a conservative view and we actually took out an ETF short on the market to protect ourselves, um, had a bit more cash than we would normally have. And then after that first initial wave, we kind of went to work about what the opportunities were. Uh, we helped recapitalise some companies that needed funding and that, that's been a particularly good driver for us. Um, we also benefited from an investment in the company that uh, turned out to have a solution to help with COVID, which wasn't the original purpose. It was an unlisted public company called Alum, based in Brisbane that had a platform for diagnostics. And we invested in it because they were hitting influenza with GlaxoSmithKline and tuberculosis as their initial uses of their platform. But uh, COVID came and they quickly took that as a priority and the FDA in the US and the US government saw that as a priority and has worked with them and they ended up getting a US $230 million contract out of the government. And so that's been a great COVID story for us. I guess that sort of proves the point that out of adversity, there's always an opportunity somewhere around. So uh, certainly the market sort of dropped its bundle a bit in uh, at the start of COVID, but there's been some great opportunities and probably those great opportunities have been at the small cap possibly even unlisted area, which is where you specialise in your uh, in your focus. Absolutely. So I guess in those situations where the market panics and there's a drawdown, uh, the small stocks and the micro stocks tend to get hit worse. They're less liquid. Um, when people sell, they sell at any price. Um, and so some great opportunities did come out of that. And so, for example, one is a little company called Scout Security um, that I join the board of uh, in, uh, in the aftermath of that. Uh, we helped them recapitalise. We did a convertible note round. We did an institutional placement later on, brought in some good investors, um, 
join the board because we could see that the business, we could see where they were going. We could see that the market was ignoring them and we could see what they needed. And so opportunities like that are, are great for us. We're really excited by those kind of opportunities to be an active participant on, along the ride. And I, we often talk about being constructive investors and getting involved and helping create the value or bring the value out in what we can see. Certainly with your fund and your strategy, you do tend to get more involved. You do tend to sort of roll the sleeves up and get your hands dirty, as, as it were, yes. uh, very hands-on approach to assist the companies. That obviously works well when you're dealing with smaller cap companies. Yeah, I, I think so. And so often when you see activism, and we're not activists, we're not out there trying to break companies up or cause trouble. We're there to roll up our sleeves and help the company realise its potential. And quite often you see companies where they're really good at what they do, excellent, motivated, intelligent, um, strategic entrepreneurs at what they do, but that doesn't mean they know everything about capital markets, uh, what investors want, uh, where, to, where to find capital and what how um, to find the best purpose, best uses of the capital. Um, but And sometimes there's governance issues. So we, we, we know what we know, and we, we don't run those businesses, but we think we know capital markets pretty well. And we think we know some of those aligned issues around there in terms of investor relations and capital markets and strategy and funding. Uh, and my background kind of lends myself to that. That's my experience pre-equitable investors. I came from a, a well-known family office, Thorny Investments, and that that's definitely their approach. They're in there for the long haul. They will work with the companies to get the most out of those companies to realise value over time. And um, even prior to that, I, I worked on the on the sell side with a stockbroker who's on our board called Hugh Robertson, and Hugh's always had a very similar approach. He's known as a stockbroker who doesn't float and forget or um, sell and move on when something goes wrong is known for trying to fix problems. And I've seen great outcomes from that. And uh, tell me more about, there's been sort of changes internally where you've added a new shareholder to your, to your uh, register and a new board member. Yeah, so hot off the press, I guess it's wedding today, is that um, someone I've got a really high regard for, a, a guy called Paul Dwyer, who founded and is an executive director of PSC Insurance, a listed insurance broker. He is uh, investing in our business and he will be joining the board of the business and investing with us as well. And that's really exciting. And I think Paul's experience from founding a company, listing the company, growing it to a $1.2 billion business, that, that, that's the kind of experience we value. We're not traders looking at ticks up and down on the screen. We're looking at businesses and the ups and downs in businesses and trying to uh, help them get to their strategic outcome and capitalise on that in the process. And Paul's got a lot of wisdom in that and experience in that area. And he's also been involved in some other real great success stories like John's Ling, which many small cap investors would be familiar with. And so that it's, it's a really exciting thing for us. So a question of practising what you preach when it comes down to sort of getting your hands dirty, getting involved, helping grow the business, he's helping you grow your business as well. I, I think so. We're looking forward to that. That's terrific. Anything else that's happening around the market? I mean, we've seen and we've talked about the market falling apart and then rebounding really strongly. I mean, your 67% is, is certainly way ahead of the market, but it's been 
a very positive year for equities uh, or positive 12 months for equities, both here and offshore. Uh, are you getting to the stage where you're concerned about valuations or do you think there are still plenty of opportunities out there? It's a question that I guess you're always asking yourself and many investors have stumbled on riding and calling the top of the market over the last five years and the market has rolled on. Um, I think it's it depends what you're investing in really. But I think if you're looking at the index level, the large cap and mega cap stocks, I think it's getting to the point where you, you can't move much further and especially if interest rates are not going to go much lower and, and interest rates and inflation are going to move up so at some point doesn't even have to be that aggressive. They will impact on how these things are valued. Um, we think it's, we look at it, it's a stretch on, at index level, it's a stretch against historical multiples, uh, even, in the, even in the last 20 years, let alone in the long, long, long term. What does give it a little bit of cushion at the moment is the spread in earnings yield between large mega caps and uh, bond, bond yields, which remain low. But I guess I don't think there's that much room in that compared to historic levels. And um, I think that there is a bit of a separation as well in that people still want to return on equity regardless of the spread. And that return may be 7%, 10%, 15%, depending where you're looking, but I don't think it's 5% generally for equity. Uh, so I think there's only limitations to how, how the spread impacts that valuation. But we're not investing in the index and we're not investing in mega caps. And I think there's a world in between two themes. One theme is the lazy um, passive index funding, index tracking, ETFs and index funds, where if you're a big cap, you get that passive flow that supports your valuation. Then there's the other theme of the last couple of years, which is the speculative momentum-driven strategies. And if you happen to fall into one of those camps, you're off to the races. But there's a whole bunch of businesses outside those two spectrums that probably you could say they've left, been left behind to some extent. They're not getting those index flows. They're not seen as the sexy momentum plays, but they've got great businesses and great opportunities and good people who are driven. And that's kind of where we're looking. And so the, the valuation story of the market may not necessarily be an issue for us if we play that well. There's a, a far greater scope to find, I'm more difficult to find, but there's a lot more of them. So it's a concept of little fish are sweet. Yes, yep. But you've got to be out there looking and doing your work and um, not relying on what two other people have said to you is an interesting stock with a bit of momentum, I guess. That's kind of our game is roll the sleeves up and in the non-COVID times, get out and uh, wear, some, wear out some shoe leather on the pavement. Obviously, with people like you and Paul on your board, uh, that's their sort of speciality. So this works well. There's a bit of synergy there. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a common commonality which draws us together in that, that regard, yeah. So as far as you're concerned, Martin, the fact that markets are expensive on a historical basis or on a valuation basis doesn't deter you from finding these smaller companies that have uh, outstanding potential or are undervalued by comparison? No, we, th we think there's great opportunities as long as you're willing to do the work. Um, and it, it means looking at things that other people aren't looking at. And I think that's always where, whatever the market condition is, if you're looking and doing the work that other people aren't doing, you'll find opportunity. Martin Pretty, thank you very much.
Thank you. Chris. My, my year return another 67% next year. We'll do our best. <laughs>